Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions podcast, where every day we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential. You can check us out at bwcdaily.com. On this show, we feature celebrity interviews as well as experts and leaders in fields like business, marketing, sales, branding, and mindset. Our goal is to give you a seat at the table to listen in on conversations with some of the most amazing people around the world, people who are doing the things you know you can do and reaching the levels you know you can reach. So get ready to be motivated and inspired and grab your seat at the table for the Breakfast with Champions podcast. And don't forget to check us out at bwcdaily.com. All right, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, my friends. Hope you're all doing well. My name is Brad Caldwell. I'm a brand strategist, multiple-time CEO, and a keynote speaker living down here in beautiful, sometimes sunny, Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm going to give you a handful of PSAs today. Uh, I do it every week. Um, while I'm doing this, share the room. That's your first one. Share the room. Share it on Clubhouse. Share it on your Twitters and your Facebooks and your MySpaces and your Napsters and whatever else you got, your AOL Instant Messengers. Share away. Share away. So the first is a little bit of a warning for this segment today. Okay. Very softly and not not deeply directly, but I'm going to be very candid about some challenges that I have faced in my life that may be a trigger warning for other people. So if recent events in this week that are not remotely political, but they are a pop culture reference where we have lost some people um, due to decisions they made for themselves, if that discussion is a discussion that is hard for you, um, discussions around self-harm, and suicide. If those are discussions that you are not prepared for this morning, come right back at about 7.56. Well, I'll be rapping and we won't be addressing it anymore. And you will come listen to Barbara Majeski. She'll bless your socks off and it'll be great. This entire hour is not going to be dedicated to to suicide, I promise. But it is going to come up and I want to be very candid with the people at the table because we are family and I don't want to surprise family while we're trying to eat breakfast this morning. Back to the PSAs, the Breakfast with Champions podcast. Over a thousand episodes from leaders all around the world and dozens of industries can be found wherever you would normally download a podcast from. This morning, I got a text message from my son, who is apparently awake way too early on a Saturday, three days before he has Christmas break, to say, hey, dad, what was the podcast you spoke about me on? And I told him, uh, basically every week, son, you come up, um, you are one of your brothers, but the one he means is resiliency. It's from like over a year and a half ago. And I simply sent him the link from Spotify because that's what you can do with the Breakfast with Champions podcast. The second PSA would be the daily replay. Breakfast with Champions hosts six hours of programming Monday through Saturday, along with partnership rooms throughout the week. And whenever the brilliant folks in charge that run the show and press the record tab, the entire day is available for you on the Breakfast with Champions Clubhouse group page. And lastly, bwcdaily.com, a concise, unique take on the day with Breakfast with Champions by a handful of brilliant copywriters. It's a quick recap of the day, uh, complete with email and online options. So check it out at bwcdaily.com. Let's jump in. Last week, we chatted a bit about my childhood friend that had finished his 15-year battle with cancer, and he passed away. It was a bit of therapy for me, being able to talk with all of you, and it was really good, like healing and helpful for me last weekend. I hope it was as much of an encouragement to you as it was to me. And then through work challenges, terrible news stories, stressful moments of the week, I felt confronted by how quickly the seasons of our lives change. How fast things go up, how fast things go down. How hard it is to handle those shifts and especially those longer seasons of shifting. Like Sometimes those abrupt moments of up or down, we can walk right through those because they level off quick. It's those prolonged seasons, especially of the down. Here in Wilmington, it was 70 degrees two days ago. Beautiful, sunny. I was dressed completely wrong. 
yesterday, the high was in the 40s. I was prepared for at least two days of 70. We got one. So for a second day in a row, I was dressed completely wrong. And while certain seasons are marked with like a predictable intensity, there's high heat and humidity in the summer out here. There's storms in the spring. There's hurricanes late summer, cold snaps in the winter. There's also a full measure of the unpredictable too. It might be gray for days. It might be sunny for a week. And depending on your ability and willingness to check out and adapt to the forecast, you might spend next, next week blissfully comfortable. You might also spend, you might also spend next week miserable. It all depends on your willingness to check out and adapt to the forecast. And life's that way too, leader. We know when the budgets are supposed to be built, when the staff reviews are supposed to be done. We know every time the board meets, the conference deadlines, when contracts need to be renewed. We know all of that. We know the seasons of excess. There are a lot of us who know in our budgets, when we write the year-long budget, we really mean we're making our money in March and we're going to hurt in November. We know that. We know that about our business, but there are also unexpected moments. There are hard days. There are unexpected elations, like a record-breaking moment you weren't prepared for, interpersonal turmoils. There are staff members who experience birth and loss, celebrations and grief, and business leadership like life can be exhausting. It can be overwhelming. And if we walk unprepared for change, we stand to endure major distractions and sometimes compounding losses. Compounding losses can be hard to deal with, leader. I don't care how good of a leader you are. So what do we do in the face of certain changes that, we're not, that are not waiting for our permission or preparedness? Things change. Someone mentioned in TM's segment in their comments there toward the end, that their grandmother said, and my grandmother said a lot, but she used to always say, if you don't like how it is, just wait. It'll change. So today, as we think about the certain changes that are coming, but they are not waiting for our permission or our preparedness, how do we prepare in advance and weather the deluge when it comes? Today, we are looking at five ways to survive hard seasons. Number one, see the season as a season. Hard seasons, great seasons, all just seasons. There's one hard and fast rule about seasons. Seasons change. Some seasons are predictable. Some are unexpected, regardless, irrelevant, doesn't matter. The first thing we need to have is the perspective that comes from recognizing seasonality. If today is great, it will pass, so enjoy it. If today sucks, it will pass, endure it. If today is a string of bad and nothing is working, hang in there and try to learn in the storm because bad times end. And if you're hitting every jackpot, winning every hand, and your hard work of the past is paying off today, save up and celebrate because good times end too seasons. But more than anything, we must recognize the temporary nature to so much of our life and leadership experiences. We run in this weird daily juxtaposition of things that we always are every single day and a multitude of things about them that are in constant motion. I am always a dad. Since January 9th of 2009, I have always been a dad. I will die a dad. And every day of the rest of my life, regardless of what happens to my children, I will be a dad. But my kids are always changing. I'm always a leader. I don't know the moment it hit me that people follow me. I don't know when I really started to believe in the burden and own the burden that when I speak sometimes, not all the time, I ain't, I ain't that, but every now and again, when I speak, people listen. And so when I started a company four years ago, I was like, man, this might work. 
Because I don't know why, but for 20 years now, people have been listening when I speak. And sometimes when I point in a direction, they go. And sometimes when I lead out front and start walking, they follow. I'm always going to be a leader, but Spark could go away tomorrow. The whole thing, whole company could just go away. It's happened to much bigger companies that are much better than mine. And I'm always a man of faith, but some days of testing or triumph are days that I fail at being a man of faith. I am still one, but circumstances change the efficacy with which I walk in my faith. They shouldn't, but they do. There are things that we are always that can also still be ever-changing. If you're going to take anything away from today, take an appreciation for the change in life. Back in 2014, and hold on to this story, guys, because it's important for the rest of the segment. Back in 2014, uh, think early, February, March, something like that. It's a little fuzzy for me. You'll find out why in a minute. There's a few weeks after I had had my third brain surgery in my life. I was born with a birth defect, for those who don't know, and I had brain surgeries when I was two months old, five years old. And then very unexpectedly, when I was 33 years old, back in 2014, that incredibly unexpected brain surgery, I went in the hospital because my headaches were worse and I started losing feeling on my left side. I was not prepared to not leave that hospital for days. I was not prepared to have my first brain surgery as an adult. If you know anything about brain surgery, the older you get, the survival rate gets worse the recovery gets worse. I can now speak to that with great confidence. I was defeated. I could not work. It wasn't a lack of want. I literally couldn't work. My headaches that I have had every day of my life. When you have brain surgery when you're two months old, you have headaches forever. My headaches were never worse than the beginning of 2014. Sunlight hurt. Noise hurt. My wife was pregnant with our second child, and I felt every day worthless. I did not see the season that I was in. I was convinced that this is who I was now. It would never get better. I would never again be the man I used to be able to be. All I could see was what I'd lost. I gained a bunch of weight. I hurt my marriage. I hurt my parenting. I disconnected. I got a little consumed in that inner darkness. But if we were friends back in 2014 and you swung by the house, I was quick with a joke. I always texted people back. And when someone came in and they mentioned the Lord or faith or walking by faith and not by sight, you know, the stuff we say to people when they're hurting. Oh, I'd rattle off a scripture to pacify those people that were checking in on me so quick that they walked away confident that I was in a good place. My wife, we'd been married mm, five years, I think. Nope, seven, seven years. She knew that I was in a season. I did not. My parents knew that I could recover. I did not. And again, in spite of appearances, I was in a very, very dark place. Now, obviously, today, nearly nine years later, I got out of that place. The season did end. I did lose pretty much all the weight that I'd gained. I did get my strength back. I might be stronger than I was back then. I mean, physically, mentally, I don't know. I don't know how to measure that. And I did go from not being able to hold our newborn son without somebody placing him in my hands because I was afraid of walking while holding a baby to today throwing his eight-year-old little body around the living room whenever we're horsing around. If you came to our house, you would just think, there's entirely too many men in that house. You wouldn't know anything about 2014. And I've been in business for myself for nearly four years now. And I'm going to be honest, it's never been harder than it is right now. Clients have never been more challenging. Other factors have never been less in my favor. It's so hard right now. It's weird. It's weirdly hard 
I haven't been in business long enough to know if it's an aberration, but it is hard. So with an appreciation for seasonality today, whether we're talking about to you internally, whether you're internalizing this as a professional conversation or a personal conversation, yep, do it. I agree with you. But regardless, with an appreciation for seasonality today, here's what I'm doing to maintain perspective and peace during a challenging season. It saved my life in 2014. It is sustaining me at the end of 2022. 2014 was personal. 2022 is professional. So number two. Number one, see the season as a season. Number two. Be still, but find a center. For me, I need to go inward during those hardest of moments. And it's so important to develop a habit of centering. Now, I'm not like a, I'm not a, a mental health coach. I am not any of that stuff. I have degrees in philosophy and religion, and I'm in marketing, like Let's, let's recognize who the talker is right now. But that habit of centering, it helps you discern the difference between needing to self-evaluate or self-reflect or just unplug and rest. If you're not in the habit of centering, regardless of the season, regardless of the day, when you're tired or overwhelmed or not looking forward to that meeting, or that meeting was exhausting, or that meeting was awesome, or your team just won, or your team just lost, or you had a great meal with your family or a hard conversation with your spouse, whatever it is, if you haven't developed a practice of centering yourself, it's hard to know in moments of intensity whether you need to be checking yourself or checking out for a moment. And those are very different things. In this challenging season where some of our team is hurting, at Spark. Some of our clients are becoming former clients and it feels daunting to lead anything. I am not looking to withdraw. I'm not walking away from anything, but I am cutting back. Over the last month, I've gone out a lot less for events that I'm supposed to be at because I am the CEO of the company. And instead I've spent more time at home than I have spent really since the height of the pandemic. But it hasn't always been sitting around being dad or being a husband. I've sat alone in my office or downstairs or outside. I let a few calls go to voicemail that I otherwise wouldn't. I've taken a break from some of the more taxing relationships in my life and work. You know the ones. I try to spend a little more time in thoughtfulness, spending a little less money on things that take me away from home and a little bit more time with things right here in my house, like Grace and the kids cook a few more dinners, wash a few more dishes, watch a little more Netflix, read a few more books, listen to a little more music. And I think my most centered place might be a little weird. Like, I don't, I don't think this is normal. And I'm cool with that. I really don't care. But I find a lot of peace, a tremendous amount of peace, thinking about others when I'm all by myself. I don't call anybody. I don't text anybody. I don't email anybody. I don't walk down the street to the neighbor. I just spend time hoping for other people. I find it incredibly cathartic to care about others. And I do make a plan for who I'm going to call. And I'm going to tell them why I'm calling them. I called Jane last week. Or actually th this week, two days ago. She had knee surgery. I wanted to see if she was okay. The entire reason I thought to call her was because Tuesday sucked and I needed a moment. So I shut it all down instead of running downstairs to eat lunch. I shut it all down for a minute. I literally closed my laptop. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes we forget that our laptops actually close. And I closed my laptop. I 
flipped my cell phone over so I wouldn't see it and then sat it on something where I wouldn't hear it when it inevitably vibrated. And I had a blank piece of paper sitting right beside me and a pen. And I just kind of sat there for a moment. And I don't know why she came to mind. I don't care. But she came to mind and I wrote it down. And then said, I'll call her on Thursday. Thursday morning, I called her. She's doing well. Recovering fine. Grateful that I called. There were other people on that list. That centers me so well. I don't really think it truly matters what your stillness looks like. I do think the result is important. Your stillness ought to be restorative and sincere. It's individual. It's very unique. And it can change with the seasons too. But it needs to be something that restores you and something that reaches into a place of sincerity within you whatever your personality type is. But this month and most of last month, I found myself sitting in a hammock swing on the back patio or sitting in my office with the laptop closed or standing at one of the whiteboards writing the names of people I hope greatly for. I've prayed in that place, but I don't always pray. I've meditated in that place. I don't always meditate. I've journaled. I'm terrible at journaling. I've read sometimes workbooks, sometimes professional, sometimes personal, sometimes silly. I've thrown on some vinyl and listened to a handful of jazz albums. I've turned off the lights and just rested. I've cleaned up and I've organized. But in all of those moments, I was working hard to momentarily disconnect from the hard season and check in on me. I come back to work every single time. But this time the footing's a little bit better. I'm grounded a little bit more. Be still and find your center because it helps you master number three. Discern roots from anchors. Discern the roots in your life from the anchors in your life. It's hard to talk about seasons and not mention the seasons of change that our world goes through like environmentally, ecologically. Every single year from winter to spring and then summer and fall. And if you're from anywhere near where I'm from, from anywhere near where I'm at, you know, a good analogy or two for the fall season, right? Leaves are changing color, eventually falling away only to bloom anew just in a few months in the spring. You know, the analogies of the fall. But the reason a tree can seemingly die only to be reborn year after year after year is a condition of the roots. You and I might see hundreds of feet of growth from trunk to limb, leaves and flowers and sometimes fruit. But the tree's real strength is underneath what you and I can see. That root system is where the tree finds nourishment, safety, strength. Stamina. The roots endure heat and cold, floods and droughts. It may get weathered by the elements, but if the roots are good, the tree grows back. But roots also kind of just grow where they grow. If you're from a place that is even slightly suburban, you know what I'm talking about. Roots aren't bound by wherever the outside world might have laid a road or a sidewalk. They don't care about developments or where your house's foundation sits. In order to grow and maintain its health, roots grow in the direction of the best nourishment. Hear that for your soul today. Roots grow in the direction of the best nourishment. What nourishes you. I don't mean to ask you what you enjoy. I like a glass of bourbon, a record on the player and nowhere to be for an hour or two. That is a primo experience for me. I like watching sports. I like watching all the sports. I like watching sports that I don't understand. I like watching sports that I played and everything in between. I like being with good friends and laughing, but nourishment isn't a bowl full of what we like. 
unless what we like builds us back up, restores us, and helps point us in the direction of our greatest possible growth. That's nourishment. My roots are not all of my friends, but it is certainly some of them. It's not even all of my family, but it is certainly my wife, my mom, and my dad. I don't find soul-sustaining nourishment in all of my habits, but I do get bolstered by a quiet album from time to time. And at work, I can find nourishment. Now, this is for me, but it's in a well-prepared team meeting, whether I'm preparing it or not. A clarifying client meeting where one of us learns something that benefits the connection that we have together. And I love occasionally taking on a small project just to see it get completed with as much excellence as I can muster. So I know to call my mom often, talk to my wife daily, prepare my meetings with diligence and never take an assignment for granted because I know the results reach the roots of who Brad is as a man and a dad and a leader. Do you know what nourishes you? Because everything important is not at the root. The root is important, but everything that matters in the day-to-day -day is not always soul-sustaining. You and I have have-tos. We are consumed daily by ought-tos. We are forced to deal with hard decisions, difficult people, the results of past mistakes. Shouldn't have hired that person. Should have hired that person. Shouldn't have paid for that. Should have bought 20 more of those. And so many of those things take us away from what nourishes us. Those things are anchors. And I would love to tell you to eradicate all the anchors, but you can't get rid of meetings. You can't fire everybody you dislike. Some of us aren't in positions to fire anybody. But anchors hold us down. Sometimes we think they're holding us in place. And that's wrong. Anchors weigh but they're not holding us where we stand. That's what the nourishment of roots can do. It's not what the anchor is. These moments are often marked with feelings of tremendous responsibility, these anchor moments. So if you're walking up to an opportunity or a moment and you're feeling the burden of responsibility or worse, anxiety, if you're dreading it, it's probably an anchor. And we cannot get rid of all the anchors. We don't always get to have a great boss. We don't always get winning seasons. Sometimes home isn't the haven we want it to be. I know that. I have those things too in my life. But here's what I try to do as often as I can. I try to bring the roots to the anchors. I want the influence of what sustains me to wash over what troubles me. I want the things that hold me down or hold me back or consume me or make me anxious to be washed by the nourishing, soul-sustaining, restorative properties of what nourishes me. I want to call my people on my bad days. I want to listen to a little music when I'm feeling, when I'm filling out that one report. There is one report I hate. I created it and I hate it. I just can't think of a better way to do it. I don't like filling it out. It takes too long, but everything's in there. So I got to get that report filled. You better believe there's vinyl playing in my office when that report is on my laptop. Guaranteed. I set a time limit for awful meetings because I want to get to the good ones that I've scheduled next. Here's a free suggestion. This week and every week, if there's a meeting you know is an anchor and it's the kind that you can't get rid of, you don't want to get rid of, it might be beneficial, but it's not nourishing. Set up a meeting right after it with someone that feeds you. You don't have to work with them. Set up a call. Set up a text message. As soon as I'm done with the meeting with Sally, I'm going to call Nancy. As soon as I'm done with the meeting with Brian, I'm going to text Bob. Whatever. 
and whether they make you laugh or, or, or give you something to celebrate or give you calls for hope, call them today, set that meeting. And when life weighs you down, whenever life weighs you down, remember what you have that feeds you. Remember it. Because it's important to know the distinction and to discern the roots from the anchors. Number four, receive more than strive. Receive more than strive. Okay. What I'm about to say is true, but it's going to sound weirdly philosophical. I'm not trying to. It's just what my education is. So bear with me. Autumn, the fall, never surprises the trees. Trees have never been shocked by seasons. And here's why I know it. They feel the change and adapt to the oncoming season long before you and I ever see a leaf change its colors. Long before the flower blooms or the fruit falls or the leaves fall, the tree knows. It knows what's coming in the fall. It knows what's coming in the spring. And as the atmosphere around the tree grows gray and cold, did you know that trees start to eat less? They recognize that the environment they are in is about to become less nourishing. Did you know that cold weather doesn't kill leaves? The fall doesn't make leaves fall down. Autumn doesn't hurt trees. Trees kill the leaves. The tree lets the leaves go. Isn't that wild? Foliage falls from the tree because the tree received the message that winter is coming And it started eating different. It started feeding different. It prepared for the oncoming challenges by shedding its excess and holding onto its roots. That's what trees do. They're so well rooted that they know fall is coming weeks before you or I do. In the United States, we're looking at groundhogs and weather reports and trying to figure out if it's going to be a hurricane in November, 30 degrees or 70 degrees. We have no idea what's happening and the tree is not surprised. And as spring approaches, the roots of the tree that receded during the colder months begin to stretch, reaching for additional nourishment that it knows is coming. It just knows And once it finds whatever is available and beneficial, it begins the process of building back bigger and better and stronger. The environment around us has learned the importance of receiving what comes, receiving what it cannot control and adapting. Trees don't migrate. They don't just leave during the hard times. Wouldn't that be weird? It gets cold where you are and all the trees go to Florida or the south of wherever you live. They don't do that. They simply learn how to endure the hard season. And while we might see a tree that's hurting or less attractive, it's actually doing just fine. Enduring hardship, focused on surviving and receiving whatever this momentary season will give it. It's still eating. It's still getting nourished. It's just proportional to the season that it's in. How about you and me? How much time do we needlessly spend thinking that a hard season means we should quit and walk away to better weather somewhere else? The grass is greener, that kind of thing. We spend so much time reading the seasons, we forget to enjoy the weather. Winter's not so bad if you have a coat. I like the rain. 
I just don't always like getting rained on. Thank God they make umbrellas. I'm actually not a big fan of hot weather. I do live in the south at the beach. Thank God for shorts and t-shirts, flip-flops, and SPF a whole lot. We forget that we aren't responsible for changing the weather around us. But we spend all of our time watching the forecast. Just trying to see if we can push the weather in the direction that we want the weather of our lives to go. And so we don't get prepared. We get cranky. Oh, I hate the cold weather. Oh, I hate the hot weather. Oh, I hate the rain. Oh, I have allergies. Oh, blah, 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 blah. We do the same thing in business. Oh, I hate quarter four. Why? It's when you find out how much money you made in year whatever you're in. Oh, I don't like the start of the year. Oh, we don't make a lot of money in April. Oh, we're too busy in June. What are you doing to prepare for the season that you know is coming? Because if you can't prepare for seasons you know are coming, friends, you are going to be miserable for seasons you didn't see coming. Stop spending all your time striving for better climates. Just be a better rooted tree. Hard times are coming, or they're here right now, or they have just passed. Better days are ahead. There may not be a lot of nourishment for your roots this morning. But there's still some out there. Go to what feeds you. Or maybe say it like number five. Seek nourishment, not next. Remember the trigger warning from a few minutes ago. I'm not saying that hard seasons aren't hard. I'm not ignoring the pain that can come from loss, rejection, failure, or crappy circumstances. I'm just telling you that all of those things shouldn't determine how you see you. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care what you were born with or what you were born without. I do care, but it doesn't actually matter in terms of who it is you are as a person. Your value is not determined by what you brought with you here today. During that really horrible season in 2014, I was still the man I had always been. I was becoming the man that I am today. But all I saw was the season around me. I defined myself, my health, my hope, and my happiness by everything but who I am and the things that feed my soul. I defined Brad Caldwell by brain surgeries, headaches, sadness, job, not job loss, job inability, by the inability to be the kind of dad I wanted to be, even though I hadn't actually tried to be that dad. Not yet. It's a dark place when all you hope for is escaping. Escape is a magical next. It's some escaping the present is pyrite. You know what pyrite is? If we're out in a field and you look out across the field and you see something shiny in the distance and you run over and it is gold and it is shiny and it is attractive and you pull it up and it is weighty and it is real and you think you've found gold, but you found pyrite. It's just a rock, a rock that we more colloquially call fool's gold. Escape is a fool's gold of what's best next. It doesn't really exist. There's not, escape is not real. So we put all of our misguided hopes on something that's likely fictitious, and we stop nourishing ourselves with loved ones and passions and restorative truths and sustaining hopes. And that's why dark places often send people to dramatic, tragic nexts. Dramatic, 
tragic escapes. I know because I've been there. Yeah. It was a sad day. It was an extremely dark moment. The single darkest moment of my life. And in that almost final moment for me, plan was made and I almost can't tell you what kept it from happening. Trying to escape circumstances in a season so bad that I could not see the end of it and the only light, the flicker of light, just the smallest, tiniest, most minuscule moment of goodness was the moment I wanted to talk to someone about it. And that was immediately followed by the reality that I had a couple people I could call. And then I made a phone call. And that person answered the phone. And that momentary nourishment, small, so small in comparison to the weight I felt. Removed just a little bit of hopeless in that moment. And beyond a shadow of a doubt saved my life. That is the power of nourishment. That's the power of receiving. Sustaining. That's the power of resisting in the striving. That's why we must know the differences between our roots and our anchors. That's why we need a solid practice of centering and focusing, resting and aiming. Because it's just a season and seasons are temporary. Here's what I'm saying. Breakfast with champions. Collect your thoughts. I'm about to lift it off to you guys. I thought almost nine years ago, my life was over and no one else knew I was there. I was the funny guy, great wife, beautiful kid, Another on the way, great house, parents right down the street, great parents, good church in my hometown, but I was quietly suffering. My ability to do business, I didn't have a business at the time, but my ability to do business had collapsed. My capacity was diminished. My health was in pieces. Frankly, my heart was broken and it was not my fault. It was literally something I was born with. I couldn't do anything about it. And I made one intentional act to talk to someone that feeds my soul. I didn't know that's what I was doing in that moment. Not if we're being really, really candid. I just called him because I thought he'd answer. And he answered. And I hung up the phone and I called someone else. And they answered. And then I walked home. Walked right past my wife, who was reading a book, such a vivid memory. And I walked into the little room that she and I had both created to be an office for each of us that I hadn't been in since my surgery. And I sat down at my desk and I wrote out my feelings. And then I read what my heart needed to say. I read it just to myself. And while I understood absolutely everything that man was feeling, I also immediately realized most of that shit was a lie. A lot of it was an exaggeration. A handful of it was based in truth, but I knew the truth could be temporary. Because in that moment, my wife was down the hall. She might have been reading in real time, but she was loving me. My oldest, my only child in the real world at the time, was five years old and down the opposite end of the hall, also loving me. I was, unbeknownst to me, six months away from finding out that I could make art. I had no idea. That's a crazy story to explain one day, but I would paint art that people would hang in their homes. It's still there. There is artwork up in churches. I would build furniture that people still sit at today. Six months after, I didn't 
take my life. I made thousands of dollars on a talent I didn't know I had in January of 2014. And I was busy with woodwork and painting in July. And a year after that, our family moved to Washington State where I learned all about branding and got my first job in marketing. There, right there, is hope. It's right there. And it can pull us from darkness. I know I've been there. It can lift us up in hard days, the hardest days I know because I've been lifted by it. And it can remind us that we are valuable no matter the environments that we are in. I couldn't lift a newborn. And it was okay. I couldn't go back to Chick-fil-A. And it was okay. I had no idea what I was going to be when I grew up and it's okay. You leader are so important today and you are more important than your win loss record. You are more important than your bank account. You mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, you are valuable today, more valuable than the mistakes you've made or whatever your kids do or do not do. You are precious today, my friends. And in this challenging season, whatever that might be for you at work, at home, or just in your head, you must focus on whatever nourishes you, not what you like, not what you ought to, but what sustains you. And you go to that thing I hope you have multiple and you go to all of them in the smallest ways. My life was saved with a single phone call. The small things matter because today is just a season that you were created to endure. And if you were created to endure this season, it means you can do it. Just like you are. You don't need anything fancy. You don't have to download some content from my website to figure out how to endure it. There is no downloadable content on my website. (laughs) You can do it. And if you're sitting somewhere today, tomorrow, forever, and your phone rings, answer it. You just might be the nourishment someone else is seeking today which means you have the authority to feed the roots and remove the anchors in someone else's life. Check on your people. Be men and women who nourish. Seek nourishment today. And as these seasons come and go, because these seasons come and go, know that you you are seen and you are valued and you are appreciated. This panel of brilliant segment hosts all the way to the person who just happened to come into Breakfast with Champions for the first time ever. Friends I've shared real space with, Renee and TM, Scott. We've all been together before. And to the complete stranger who has no idea who I am or what I'm talking about, you just signed on. You And all of those people I just mentioned have one irrefutable fact in common. You are worthy. Seasons change and we endure. You have got this, my friends. We have 10 minutes left. Let's open the mics with the time that we have remaining. Chat for a bit. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Talk about whatever you want. You know that. Go for it. Good morning, Brad. This is Tracy. What a great segment this morning. Thank you, sis. Brad, what resonated with me in this segment is, you know, what you just finished said about nourishing. What nourishes you? Because we all need nourishment, just like we need food that nourishes us. We also need relationships that nourish us. We need people that nourish us, activities that nourish us. And I just think it's so important to engage in those things that nourish us and also to be nourishment for other people. 
Brad, you're a rock star. Great segment. And you have given me something to to meditate on today to not only do things that nourish me, but also to be that nourishment for someone else. So thank you, Brad. You're a rock star. Back to you. Mm, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate you, friend. All right. Who's up next? Hey, Brad, it's Jackie. Hey, Jackie. You know, hey, um, I enjoyed your segment as well. Just listening and, and the fact that you're speaking about being nourishment for other people, especially during this time right now, everything is super sensitive around suicide and because of what just happened. But I was meeting with a couple of team members yesterday. We were talking and one of the girls was kind of quiet on the phone and, and she said, you know, Jackie, I have a testimony. I said, okay. She said, you know, I was speaking with a friend of mine and he told me if he, if, if he had not spoken to her at that moment, he said, you know, I was about to kill myself. I was about to kill myself, but I spoke with you and I didn't do it. And sometimes we don't, we don't know. Sometimes we can be so selfish and so consumed in what we're going through and what we feel and how, what our day is like and what our children and what our, everything around us. Somebody out there just need you to speak with them, just to be on the phone with them, just to spend a little time. You know, and the fact that she was able to, whatever she said, you know, preventing him from taking his life that day. Now, will he have other days that he may think the same? Maybe. But the fact he's still living today as a result of her taking time and nourishing him. And she said, Jackie, I, I didn't know what, I said, what did you do? What, what did you say? She said, I didn't know what else to say after that. And so then I was able to point to her to give her some tools to be able to, to use in the event he's there again. So that's how it works, guys. We have to be, you know, vessels. We have to be able to be used for somebody else because we never know where people are. Back to you, Brad. Yes, ma'am. I agree with you. I actually think it's really interesting. I was talking about this with some of my team uh, this week because, again, I mean, it has been a very weird month and a half. And weird enough for me to very candidly say to all of you, I'm not sure what spark's going to be in 2023. Um, worried about it a little, uh, not worried about it too much, but in, in the professional world, I always coach and consult against expressing yourself as the solution until you actually know the problem. Don't be a solution without a problem. Know the problem as well as you know the solution, but in personal and in, in, in relationships and be be a solution without having to ask someone what's wrong. Just gosh, be salve to the sting without knowing what stung them. Just, just be like, just be good. Be an ambassador of concern and authenticity. And you might not have to know what someone's going through. Cause if you do need to know it and you're that for them, they will tell you, they will tell you. That I believe, I know the quality of people on this stage. I know the quality of people down in the garden or whatever we call it. And I, I know, I know you have sustained someone and you will never hear about it. If you believe in an end of time where there is a crown with every goodness that is granted to you, that you gave out to the world, that might be the only time you ever hear what you did for him or her or your grandma or your grandkid or your neighbor or a stranger or the nod to the person at the mall or picking up the groceries that fell out of the bag, whatever it is you did. I hope your crown is filled in eternity with things you didn't know you did. Goodness is you didn't know you extended. Golly, can you imagine? Can you imagine just one day someone tells you, man, you saved my life. What'd you do? You let me merge into traffic. What? What? What did you do today that saved somebody's life? I, 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 I told them their dog was cute. I smiled. Golly, you have so much power, human. Good grief. Good grief. Not to get deeply biblical, because I know everybody here doesn't roll with that. But scripture does say you have the power of life and death in your tongue. I think that's what it means. 
Not that you could kill somebody or birth somebody with the words that you say, but they matter so much that they can sustain someone, that they can lift someone. Of course, they can hurt someone and diminish someone, but man, they can, you can build better people with the kindness out of your mouth. Come on, that's, that's good. I'm sorry, preaching. We got four minutes left. Somebody else jump in. in. This is Renee. Not only you're preaching, you're speaking from your soul, Brad. And that's what we need to connect with. You know, a lot of people right now, they are going through moments of time. Even as we say, even in the seasons throughout the day, not even just throughout the four seasons, but even throughout the day, we are literally going through seasons of life every hour every second. So the greatest gift that we have is to see you, you know, and you know, the greatest opportunity is for us to pour right back into, you know, you hit our soul today, Brad, every morning you come in on a Saturday, you know, we just sit on the edge of our freaking seats to say, okay, what's going to say now? Just listening though. We are just listening and taking it all in. And for those individuals, like you said, whatever lounge you're in down below, if you really need to connect with somebody because you're going through something right now, please let's connect. You know, so many times I've seen and I receive messages that save your life, you know, just hearing our voices, you know, Brad, I didn't get that chance to save my brother's life. I wish I would have been able to save his life. So for those who hear our voices right now, guys, let us not, uh, don't leave this room without us pouring into you if we can. Open up. This is why we come here today. You know, give ourselves the chance to start anew, to start that fresh start today. Don't carry on or linger on with those negativity things that you have no control over. Hit the reset button right now and let's start living a life with more intentions, purposeful, as well as more love. Because I know right now, that's where you got me, my brother, that sweet spot. I feel the love in your words. You're touching my soul. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Thank you, friend. I. I appreciate you, Renee. I appreciate those words. Yeah, I think we, gosh, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on the spot of, and there, there are some of you who are giving life, giving goodness to people and you're in your own storm. You are extending kindness that is sustaining to someone and you're going through hardship and that's, that's a, that's a superpower. That is a superpower to be light while you walk in darkness, to be hope when you are surrounded by something that seems hopeless, to be able to extend a measure of grace when you're just praying for mercy in the situation that you're in is supernatural. I don't, it doesn't matter what you believe in. That's supernatural. It's supernatural. We can't talk underwater. There are things that are opposite that we can't overcome. No matter how bad I might want to, I can't fly today. I wasn't built that way. So there are a number of things that we just cannot do. There's a juxtaposition with what we were, what we were created for that we cannot overcome. But you can be light while you walk in dark. And that is crazy. You can be hope when you feel hopeless. And that is wild. What a transcendent power that is to have. And so I hope you extend it to someone today. I, I sincerely do. This is Billionaires here. You know, this has been an incredible, incredible segment. Um, you know, the recent events have just really... T- whew, what happened this week with, with the uh, DJ Twitch is just so alarming. And I thought about what Brad said about being a beacon of hope. And I thought about the individuals that he passed through or by that day before he took his life. 
And could they have been a potential beacon of hope for him from the Uber driver all the way to the check-in counter at the hotel to whatever, the, the you know, the, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the cleanup lady or whatever it could have been. Uh, but it sounds like he never left his room, so he never went to eat or anything like that. But here's the, the big thing I, I took from the story. I watched some of his videos, and this man was such a beacon of light. I mean, the energy that came out of him was infectious. And I couldn't figure out what could have possibly taken him down that road that was so dark that there was no way for him to survive. And that, that haunts me because he seemed like he was so engaged with family. He had everything, the love of his kids, his wife, um, a career. He had several projects in the works, they're saying. What could have brought him that way? And then we also have to be aware, we can't judge people, excuse <clears throat> me, we a little choked up. We can't judge people based on them smiling, their outward appearances, because they're, they're maybe facing a lot of darkness internally. We just don't see it. But he has so much light, you couldn't even see the darkness in his light. And I yield the mic there. Yes, ma'am. I mean, yeah, I think I, I, here's what I'll say for for all of us who are are here. We're here. I think you can think of the opportunity to extend hope to someone as either a blessing or a burden. And if you get lost in the I didn't say something positive to the cab driver. I hope he's okay. Or I could have been more affirming yesterday and I can't go back to yesterday. You will be burdened by a needless sense of what you ought to do. And let's be super clear. You have a superpower to authentically elevate the people you are given the opportunity to elevate. There are people that I miss every day. I don't really want to, but there are people that I get to speak to every day. Every person I will walk by today is not going to speak life into me, and it's not their responsibility. They might not have it this morning. They might not have it inside of them today. They might not, they might be waiting for me to speak. Whatever it is, wherever people are at, I want you to, to have the hope in you that you were created to simply be good for somebody. You were created to be good for somebody and we will miss and it will suck. And there will be moments where we weren't light when we could have been light. And that's not wonderful. But I will say, I will say this about my story, because obviously I'm not going to, I'm not going to speculate on someone else's story. But for me, nine years ago, if someone doesn't answer the phone when I call, I could have called another number after that. The story doesn't have to end. It's not that person's responsibility to answer the phone. It is their choice in that moment to bless me. And it saved my life. It was my responsibility to make the phone call. And I am very lucky to be alive because I made that phone call. How many phone calls would I have made that day? I don't know, maybe 27, maybe one. I don't know. Don't have to know. That's a blessing. All I know is the one I made is the one that got picked up and that dude saved my life. It's, we're talking about superpowers today. There are seasons that people are walking in that are hard and there are seasons that people are walking in that are unfair and there are seasons that people are walking in and they can't see light and you and I can just be that little bit of difference.
and you don't have to believe as they believe. You don't have to think as they think. You don't have to vote as they vote. You don't have to look as they look. You don't have to experience as they experience because all light does is eradicate darkness. That's all it does. So if you can go be light and they've got some darkness, you can eradicate it. Y'all don't have to, you don't have to agree on squat to be light. You just got to go be hope.